Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. The worship team today, you guys are just amazing, just ushering us into the Lord's presence. So good. And that's what today is all about um, by, by way of transition. I sense God pulling us through the month of January talking about this thing of vision. And not just because it's the top of the year and there's this like clean slate before us and what 2024 could hold for us or the challenges that we might face, but by way of bringing us together and realizing that this is a shared vision. That vision never happens in a vacuum. There might be different like sub-reasons that you attend this church. If you've been coming to Vineyard Cleveland for any length of time, you might say, hey, the, the music there is really great. And I just sense God's presence when the worship team leads us in worship. It might be relationship. You might say like, hey... I could care less like what you're saying, but I've got friends here at Vineyard Cleveland. Uh, You could say, hey, I don't have any friends here, but I really like what you're saying. (laughs) It could be a varied number of reasons. And I sense that God would want to pull our attention to this thing that vision is shared that all of those reasons might be good, but we're really here because we feel a sense of vision, meaning we're headed the same way. This morning is not a collection of just a bunch of individuals who are just randomly following Jesus in their own kind of way. That, that's not... This is what's going on this morning, that for one reason or another, you sense Jesus, the living God, pulling your life in a shared direction with others. Vision is shared. It's not lived out in a vacuum. Good reasons. I have community there. Preaching's good. Seeds of Hope Food Pantry's awesome. Worship's great, good reasons, but that's not vision, and vision never happens in a vacuum. Our vision here at Vineyard Cleveland is to bring life to the city. You see it on the, on the wall as you walk through the doors that we're a people who are committed to Jesus, to bringing life to the city. And that happens in a couple of different ways, but this morning and through the course of January, I'd like to walk us through what God may have for us as a church community in this coming year, in the year ahead of us. And, and I hope it's not just contained to like one month out of the year or one teaching out of the year. You know, a lot of times churches will be like, it's Vision Sunday and get, get fired up everybody and here we go and you leave, you're like, yeah, all right, Vision Sunday. But the truth is that 
the vision of a place or a people should spill out in every teaching that I give, in every worship song that's led, in every prayer gathering that's hosted here. Vision should be dripping from that. In every food pantry that we host, in every board meeting, whatever it is, vision should be dripping out of that. It's not just consolidated to like one month of messages. And so if you're a guest joining us today, you've arrived at a good moment. I want to encourage you to keep coming back. Come through the month of January. Hear the vision. If you have questions, ask, ask me. Don't, don't be afraid to ask. Uh, back at the kiosk, folks, leaders here will be able to answer questions to the best of their ability and grace that they're given, me included in that, to help because we want you to be a part of what God is doing here. We feel that it's important. We're not just a group of individuals who are choosing to gather on a Sunday morning, but we feel like there's purpose in our gathering today. There's meaning in what we're doing today. So I wanted to read a verse. It's Psalm 27, verse 4. This is David. King David writes this. And then I wanted to share a little bit of silence together. It's not a long verse but just a little bit of silence to reflect on what God might be speaking to you. So we're going to read it, and then we're just going to pause and just be with God. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in his temple. Let's take a minute and just be with God. Let's be silent together. Let God speak to your heart. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. God, we're seeking you. Our hearts um, desire to please you and to know you. We welcomed you with our worship today. You say that you inhabit, you live in the praise of your people. God, we need your presence. This vision that you've put on the heart of your church, it can't be done without you, without presence. It can't hinge on just one person. 
We need you, Jesus. We want to partner with you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would come, Holy Spirit, to each one within the sound of my voice. I pray that you would come and that you would show yourself to them. You would reveal yourself specifically in the area of presence that people would experience you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do we mean when we say vision? I want to touch on just the general aspect of what vision is before we uh, delve a little bit deeper over the course of the next couple of weeks in what it means specifically for us as a community of believers. What do we mean when we say vision? We're talking more about, it's not like an eye chart, right? Like the play on the graphic here, the Snell eye chart that you guys are like, okay, you, you remember going into the doctor and they're like, okay, cover your right eye, now cover your left, okay, now read line two, and for those who are a little bit more advanced in years, you're squinting, but the Snell chart is like right there, you're like, okay, I must be getting a little bit older, but vision means more than what you can see. When we're talking about vision, we're talking about presence. Dreaming, a supernatural sort of sight. You know, living by ambition leads to like the sense of drivenness and restlessness and and panic. But vision, on the other hand, is discovering what God has created you for and called you to do and surrendering to that call. Clear vision leads to peace to power, and to passion. In Jeremiah 29, the prophet Jeremiah writes this. He says uh, that God is speaking this to him, and God says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. It's true where there's no vision, We read in Proverbs that the people perish. So vision, from what we can tell from this verse in Jeremiah and uh, Solomon's proverb here, is that vision is a matter of life and death. And a lot of times we don't think about vision like that. But Solomon's super clear here. Without it, we perish. Without a vision for our lives, we're dying. We depend on vision, vision from Jesus, vision from leadership in our lives, where where to go, what does life look like, all of those sort of questions. Sight is a function of the eyes, vision is a function of the heart. Vision is seeing the future or holding the future before it comes into being. Vision's the ability to see further than your eyes can look. It's vision that makes the unseen things, think Hebrews now, the unseen things visible. Vision makes that happen. God-given vision makes things that are unseen, seen. That's the beauty of vision. And it's really not about what, it's about who and where. Vision's about our identity as individuals before God, but also collectively It's about who we are, and it's about the direction that we're headed. Where are we going? 
Vision seeks to answer that question. Where are we going and who are we? That's what vision does. Okay, who are we? We are a people who are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Where are we going? A community of Jesus followers who bring life to the city. We're called to be filled. Paul writes this in his, church to, uh, in his letter to the church at Ephesus. He says, don't drink too much wine. An encouragement for anybody out there? Don't drink too much. Okay. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. This is the message version. Huge drafts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Don't you love that? Drink to your fill the Spirit of God. John 6, 63, Jesus says this, It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We're called to be filled. So over this next month, I want to encourage all of us to grab hold of this collective vision that I would wager you already sense on a subconscious level. We're going to see that kind of like come to forefront through, uh, through the next couple of weeks. Vision is something that happens that springs out of our values. The things that you think about individually matter. Bad ideas have very bad consequences. You know, the, the most objective answer there or example would be that of Nazi Germany, right? There's a really bad idea that happened there. And when that bad idea was executed or implemented, six million people perished, lost their lives. But the inverse is true as well, that good ideas have really good consequences. There's fruit that comes from following God's vision for our life, and that comes from or springs forward from the values that we hold. You all have values that you hold dear, and they may be different to the people sitting next to you. There are people here who raise their kids in a drastically different way than you do. That doesn't mean that their way is any better or any worse than your way of raising your kids. It just means that it's different. There's different values that you hold when you think about work, let's say. When you think about work ethic, when you think about your job. Values are important. It's where our actions come from. They, our actions spring from the values that we hold. We only act from the values that we hold. And that's where vision happens. I wanted you guys to check out this video. This is John Wimber. We're going to be talking about presence today. 2024 is going to be challenging. And to be honest with you, I don't really have this grand vision for our church. We're going to see 200 people come to faith. We're going to see 800 people baptized. That'd be great. Awesome. 
But what I sense the Holy Spirit calling us to are these foundational elements of the vision that he set before our church. That of presence, the presence of God, experiencing God's presence, authentic community, living a messy life and being transparent with who we are, being honest about who we are with others, and committing ourselves to living life with others and outward-focused life. That our discipleship would have an expression to the community around us and to the greater city of Cleveland, and and yes, to the world this year in places like Brazil. So check this out. This is Wimber. This is a long time ago, so the the audio is not too great. But this is John Wimber, who's the founder of the Vineyard Movement, and he's talking about presence here. The people that have the experience are out of it. They're <laughs> a great time, you know? Then we got the ball. With the people that are watching the experience or witnessing the experience, they're described by such words as amazed, perplexed, vexed, in other places, upset of the attention of the <laughs> bewilderment. Those who are witnessing it are having a good, bit more difficult time than those that were experiencing it. You may find yourself in one or the other of those two positions over the next few days as we begin our service. If you find yourself in that place where you're bewildered, vexed, or perplexed, recognize that it's going to take one quick step to get over to the other side of the river. <laughs> and conversely, you get back. And it's not everybody what you're learning. Some, uh, however, have made fun of it and said they had had too much wine. And Peter gets up and addresses the crowd. And what we have here is a form of power encounter. Again, we're dealing with the rational and the very rational. Something transnational has occurred. Something supernatural. Something from the cosmic world has invaded the empirical world. Here's something that sounded like wind and that looked like fire has occurred to a group of men up in an upper story and they've begun speaking in languages that are known languages but unknown to them. Now that in itself isn't so incredibly significant, but the fact that they were speaking in so many languages and doing it so well is what makes it insignificant. Packaged in the fact that it was instigated by the supernatural phenomena, which caused a great crowd of people to come as a result of the rushing of the wind and hearing about the, 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 the uh, uh, flames of fire and, and then seeing and encountering this stupefying perplexing, bewildering, and vexing reality that these Galileans are speaking with such sophistication and such smoothness the languages of their own country. This foment, this dynamic, this power encounter created a foundation for the preaching of the gospel. It made an opening, it made a way for the preaching of the gospel. As it is with much supernatural phenomena, Many times when God does something of this nature, in, and by that I mean something in, in the supernatural realm that really doesn't have any uh, direct bearing to healing or direct bearing to in this case, to salvation, he does these kinds of things as a platform for the preaching of the gospel. And Peter, believe me, if Peter had not gotten up in the 14th verse and preached the gospel that he preached, there would have been no converts that day. 
We must have the coupling of the transactional with the natural, the supernatural with the natural, the power evangelism with the program evangelism. We have to have a presentation of the gospel, but we also have to have presence of Almighty God working with us. And it is that that I'm speaking to, and it's that that I'm calling you to account for this week. That we recognize that there's an encounter going on, people. There's an antagonism, antagonism today against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But more importantly, there's an antagonism against his personhood, against his presence. And when the presence of God comes into your sanctuary and into your life, you will find that you have antagonism. <laughs> that you are frightened and put off and bewildered and upset, perplexed and vexed against the very God that you've been invited to come for years and move among you. The first time that the Lord Jesus Christ sent his spirit in great power among us, I was fit to be tied for days. <laughs> I was so angry. I was so upset. I wanted to get out of the ministry. I said, no way am I going to put up. Well, that's absurd what God did. <laughs> Wimber on presence. Great, right? Speaking of uh, the Holy Spirit coming uh, at Pentecost, of course, and Acts, and we're a people of God's presence. We're called to be filled, Vineyard Cleveland. We are called to be filled with the presence of God. To encounter the living God is to be filled with His presence. And so, as we dissect this psalm of David, I wanted to communicate a couple of things in the church that I see. The church that I see. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. The church that I see, the presence of God, the expectation that God will show up. And even when we don't necessarily feel Him, His presence is resting on us and wants to rest on us. The church that I see, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing. David says, one thing. What is it for you? What what is the one thing that you're pursuing in your life? Sure, David is a king, so there's many other things that David is pursuing in his life. It's not literal to the T where David says, there's one thing that I've desired of the Lord. He's busy doing other things, but the main trajectory of David's life is the presence of God. One thing, there's one thing with, with, with singular vision that David is headed after and that I would suggest God is calling us as a community and us as individuals to have as the singular focus of our life. That we would behold the presence of God. One thing I've desired of the Lord. It's true that 2024 is going to be a a distracting year. I wish that I could stand before you and let you know that I have a sense that 2024 is going to be amazing. This is just, our world's going to be awesome. You just wait and see. Generally, I feel like the world is headed towards Jesus, and so it's all going to be okay. And that's what you need to remember over the course of this next year, because it's going to get crazy. There will be distractions in your life, in my life, that will seek to pull our affection, to pull our attention away from the presence of God. 
You have an enemy of your souls who desperately wants and is actively seeking to pull you from the presence of God. Your soul is at stake in 2024. Do not be distracted. Do not be distracted by politics. Do not be distracted by economics. Do not be distracted from anything. Hold Jesus at all costs in front of your face. God has called Vineyard Cleveland in 2024 to be a refuge, as Sarah mentioned today, as a harbor, a peace among the chaos. The chaos will swirl in this year. Vineyard Cleveland, you are called to carry a non-anxious presence. The presence of Jesus. That doesn't disacknowledge all the chaos that's going on, but that sees the chaos and says, God's got this. Because God's got me. It's the presence of God to be held before your eyes. That's the vision. To hold the presence of Jesus before you. One thing, one thing I desire. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek. To seek. Vineyard Cleveland, this is the church that I see. To seek the Lord means to seek His presence. To seek Him. Presence is a common translation for the Hebrew word face. This is really great. Literally, we're to seek His face. Seek his face. To be before his face is to be in his presence. There's this table in the temple, definitely in David's time, up through the destruction of the temple in AD 70. There's this table on your way into the most holy of holy places. It's called the shewbread table. There's 12 loaves that were stacked on bread, just stacked on these trays. They're called the showbread. They're meant to be sort of kind of like an offering. They're like cakes or loaves. Think of it more as matzah, you know, that we took this morning. And they were always present. These loaves of bread were baked fresh every week. Think the hot and ready sign is on at Krispy Kreme. Hot and ready. The showbread. And they were put on this specifically dedicated table in the temple as an offering. The word showbread is more accurately translated presence bread. Bless you. Presence bread. Because the bread was to always be, remember the most holy places where the presence of God dwells, this was called the presence bread because it was meant to always be before the face of God. The bread of the presence, we would say, is an emblem of the coming Messiah. And both Jews and Christians believed that when the temple was standing. The bread of the presence was set before the menorah the, in the holy place. The bread of the presence uh, was pronounced lechem panim. Lachem panim. Uh, think panera. Pan, do you hear it? Bread, the bread of faces. The bread of presence was there before God's 
face. And here's where it gets really cool. Is that the bread of presence prophetically illustrated how God would come to us in the world through the person of Jesus Christ. You see, in John 6, 41, Jesus said of himself, I am the bread which comes down from heaven. And so as the priests, after the week was concluded, would consume the bread, see where I'm going with this? The priests after the Sabbath of that week would take the showbread and they would eat it. We, in the same way, eat or are nourished by the presence of Jesus in our lives. The reality this morning is that whether you feel it or not, you live your life before the presence of God. You and I, there's nothing hindering you from the presence of God. As Jesus died on the cross, the temple veil was ripped. You have access to the presence of God. You live before his presence. The showbread, face to face with God. The bread of his presence. The church I see seeks presence. Let's be a community of people who seek the presence of God in all things. The church I see, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. The church I see dwells in God's presence. The word for dwell in the Old Testament in Hebrew is Shekinah. Some of you may be familiar, familiar with this word. What this word means is that the glory or the weightiness of God, his felt presence is resting on a place. Before the temple was built, the Jews were wandering through the wilderness and they had a kind of a makeshift temple. It was called the tabernacle. And as the priests performed their duties, as the offerings were made, as worship was happening, the presence, the Shekinah, the weighty glory of God would come. The living presence of God would rest in the tabernacle. And it would come in such a way that we're told in Scripture the priests were not able to perform their function. They weren't able to go about doing the thing that they were called by God to do because God was in the room. And as Wimber said in the video, God is always messing things up. Ugh, it's absurd. God, why do you got to come like that? And though it is with some trepidation that I say what I'm going to say next, that is what I desire for our church. To be a place that the glory of God dwells. That the glory of God just hovers in this room. And as the glory of God hovers in the room, people's bodies get healed. 
and people's lives get mended and marriages are reconciled because the glory of God is resting in the place that old traumas are healed, that racial divides are covered. That men and women become awake to the salvation that's in Jesus. Like Wimber said, the presence of God, the dwelling presence of God, is for the purpose of revealing who Jesus is. God, come dwell in Vineyard Cleveland. Come dwell and have your way in Vineyard Cleveland in 2024. Let your presence rest and not leave. He'll come where he's welcome, but he'll only stay where he's worshipped. God, come and stay at Vineyard Cleveland. Come and rest on our lives. Turn the things that are broken into reconciled whole pieces that change the city around us. The church that I see has the dwelling presence of God resting both on our gatherings, yes, but more importantly, our lives and our families in our city. The church that I see, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell where? In the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord. The church that I see longs to be the house of the Lord. Notice I didn't say to be in the house of the Lord. Let's read Hebrews together and see what the writer of Hebrews has to say about that. Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. David says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll go to the temple and just be. I want to be with him. I want to be with you, Lord. Check out what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, who's that? That's all of us. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He is faithful to the one who appointed him. Just as Moses was faithful in all God's house, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. This is rich. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. Here it is. And we are his house. If we hold on to our courage in the hope of which we boast. We, you and I, are the house of God. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Jesus, get, Jesus gives his life on the cross. 
He, he raises from the grave the same power that raises Jesus from the grave, rests on those in the upper room that night, and, and now we have access to the presence of God, and, 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 and so much so that Paul writes in other places that we're both bricks built on the cornerstone of Jesus. We're the house of God. And as you go about your life, as you go about your nine to five, as you go back to your job tomorrow, as you parent your kids, as you spouse your spouse, as you go about all the things, remember that you are the house of God. The house of God isn't a place you go, it's the person you are. You are the house of God built on the foundation of the cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. That's the church that I see. That's the church that I want to be a part of. A church, a community of people who know and who walk, as the writer of Hebrews says, in the courage of believing, like being convinced that each one of us are bricks to be made into the house of God. We are the house of God. The church that I see, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord when? All the days of my life. David's saying, I want to be there all the time, consistently, constantly before God's presence. The word here for us this morning, Vineyard Cleveland, and the word to me, I'm not excluding me from us, I, I, especially in the first couple of years, I always used to say, whenever I, whenever I teach something, I am well aware that there are three fingers pointed back at myself. That is no less true today. I just feel it in a different way, <laughs> being nine years in. Um, but we are to consistently and constantly remain or abide in the presence of God. We're called to be a community who does that, who is that. To constantly seek him, seek, seek him. The word here is that you and I cannot be content with an encounter we had from the Lord 20 years ago. We just cannot. We cannot. A lot of times in churches when uh, presence is talked about, the presence of God, we, we talk about the benefits of living before God's presence. We quote verses, we quote David in other places in the Psalms that you see there in in your presence is fullness of joy. That's a benefit of God's presence. You get joy when you grab hold of the person of Jesus. But oftentimes we emphasize the benefits of God's presence without recognizing the necessity of God's presence. There is a necessity of God's presence in your life and in my life that if we rely on an encounter we've had with the Lord 20 years ago, I'm not saying for you guys to forget about those encounters, right? We just talked about that last Sunday, that those are mile markers in our journey. We should never forget those. We should set those up as monuments, that there God was faithful, and in the future he'll be faithful because he met me 20 years ago. But what I'm saying is that we can't be content with old bread. The showbread was always before the face of God in the holy place. And likewise, as the Israelites wandered through the desert, fresh manna, what is it? What is it? You're not even sure what it is, came every morning. The sun rose, fresh manna. 
fresh bread. Jesus said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. He, it's his desire that we live off of fresh bread every day. Every day, every moment. And I'm just as convicted as you feel right now. Believe me, I'm not saying feel guilty because you haven't spent time with God today. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying as our aim is the presence of God, to live before the presence of God, can we be a people who though we'll fail, we will. We won't put God squarely before our faces in our parenting, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our work but that we would seek, that we would desire to constantly have the fresh bread from heaven in the person of Jesus. That our lives would be headed that way. No one's asking you to eat fresh bread every day, commanding you to do that. Jesus might be, but Jesus understands that we are human and we are limited and that we mess up. And that we don't get it right all of the time. And even in that, Jesus welcomes us back every day. Fresh bread. And to kind of put that on a lower shelf for us today, that, that, that just looks like getting quiet with God. You know, let's just, let's just make it real practical. Let's just make it practical. It just looks like waking up and just being open to God. God, what do, you, what do you want to do with me today? For our church, collectively, it, it looks like, God, where, where can I make a difference? Where, where, can, where can I serve to fulfill this vision? God, what, what are you doing in our church? How can, I be, how can I use my gift to usher in the presence of God in someone else's life? That's all. That's all God's asking you to do. That's it. Some of you are like, that's it? <laughs> Some of you are like, that's it? <laughs> the church uh, that I see quickly, all the days of my life, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my, my life, uh, to what? Behold the beauty of the Lord. The church I see beholds the beauty of the Lord. Sure, turn and burn sermons might draw the fearful at heart back to God. Um, but it's the beauty of the Lord that keeps him there. It's the beauty of the Lord that keeps us coming back to God's presence. It's the beauty of Jesus. It's the beauty. It's not the, the frightened wrath of God that we'd better turn because Jesus paid for it at the cross. It's the beauty that joy and sorrow mingled down through Jesus' sacrifice at the cross. That the cross of Jesus, this, this um, symbol of torture in the Roman world would become beautiful. It's the beauty of the Lord that draws people to his heart and to his presence. And it's the beauty of the Lord that keeps us there. And that's what I'm banking my life on. That's the vision of our church, that we would behold the beauty of who Jesus is. It literally in the Hebrew means to see, to see into the favor 
of God. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Did you catch it? To behold the beauty of the Lord means to see into the favor of God. To meditate on the graciousness of God. The church that I see beholds, sees into the favor of God, into the goodness of who God is chooses to see into the favor of God and into the goodness of God above other folks' faults. Chooses to see and believe the good in others, the favor of God, the imago Dei, the the image of God in other people over and above their faults, their mess-ups. We didn't say ignore We just said we choose to emphasize and see that goodness of God in other people's lives over and above their faults. That's the church I see. That's the church God is calling Vineyard Cleveland to be. A church where his presence is not just welcomed, but his presence dwells. Where people can easily connect up with the presence of God where people can find a way back to God where there was no way before, where people can see, literally see, the goodness of God's future for their lives before it happens, can experience the healing of God, the real healing of God. You know, sometimes vision and church and all this, it can be be so like pie in the sky and like out there, you can't touch it. You can't like grab hold of it. Wouldn't it be amazing if Vineyard Cleveland was such a place of God's presence that people could actually connect with these things that were previously intangible? That people could actually be like, oh my gosh, my elbow is healed. That those things would happen. And I know that's what you want. I know, I know you guys. I know your stories. Many of you have shared your stories with me. I know I'm not alone in this. I know that that's what you desire too. And so we pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your presence come. I'm not, you see, I'm not preaching against you. I'm preaching with you. Why don't you join me in standing?